Last week I spent five days in Denver with some pretty amazing people. The 2019 OLC Innovate Conference, OLC stands for the Online Learning Consortium, is a great conference for educators, instructional designers, technologists, and honestly pretty much anybody who's interested in higher education. The sessions are informative and entertaining, the people running the thing are considerate and really know what they're doing, and the people you meet there are connections that you'll have permanently going forward. Heck, some of my best academic buddies I met there two years ago, and each time we see each other at the conference, it's like it was just yesterday. This is a theme you'll hear in this episode. Speaking of which, let me explain a bit about how this episode is going to work. I wanted to get some different perspectives and feelings about the conference, so I asked four people with very different roles. Each of these conversations is pretty brief, at least by this podcast standards for conversations, and follows the same basic format. Intro, background, work, conference. So as for the folks you're about to hear, first up is Kate Sonka, Assistant Director of Academic Technology at the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. Next is Tina Rettler-Pagel, Faculty and Chief Online Learning Officer at Madison College in Madison, Wisconsin. After Tina is Keegan Long-Wheeler, Educational Technologist in the Office of Digital Learning at the University of Oklahoma. And finally, Veronica Armour, Instructional Design Specialist and Instructor in the School of Communication and Information at Rutgers University. So if you're a first-time conference-goer, which I know many students are, this conference is a great option. If you were just there and you want to hear these awesome folks talk, that's cool too. Enjoy. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. How about you, uh, just for people, because I don't like doing introductions. I feel like people should sure. do their own. Totes. So, uh, why don't you uh, give us a give us a name and a and a position and and what Great. you what you do with with and for and around and because of uh, OLC, which is how we really know each other. Yes. Um, so I am the um, assistant director of academic technology for the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. So I've been in this role um, to varying kind of iterations, if you will, for five years. Um, writ large, it's supporting teaching and learning in the college, um, obviously with technology because that's in the title. Um, but sometimes that means, you know, pen and paper is, as we know, technology can be so um, or a whiteboard and marker. So it's really about what, how do we improve teaching and learning and support teaching and learning in the college. Um, and then very recently, uh, a couple months ago now, um, I was named the executive director of Teach Access, um, which is an organization of universities and large tech companies uh, working to infuse accessibility into the curriculum. So 
one of our kind of catchphrases or signature phrases is that um, we are about teaching accessibility, not teaching accessibly. Um, that's not to say that we don't value um, people doing things like making accessible syllabi or um, captioning their videos or their slideshows. I mean, I do that as part of my job um, at uh, MSU, of course, um, but what we're trying to affect change, uh, where we're trying to affect change is how do we get more faculty teaching the basics of accessibility? Um, so helping support faculty in their learning around that. Um, and then also getting that content and trying to help um, drive curriculum and that sort of thing. So that is who I am professionally. Um, with regard to OLC, this year for OLC Innovate, um, I was the conference program co-chair along with John Stewart from University of Oklahoma. Um, and that is, I guess, the third official role I've had um, in terms of planning. Uh, last year, I was the inaugural um, co-chair of the Diversity Inclusion Committee for Innovate. Um, and then prior to that, I had been a co-chair of the Technology Test Kitchen, which happens at the OLC Accelerate Conference. Um, so as program chair this year, John and I were tasked early on with um, essentially kind of setting the stage, so to speak, in terms of types of presentations that could happen um, at the Innovate Conference and the, the tracks, so the, the different themes um, or types of um, presentations and topics that we might want to see. So uh, some of them were holdovers from before that we knew were functioning well. So conversations, not presentations was a new one from 2018. Um, so we made sure that that one stuck around. Um, a new one that we, that we introduced this year was the um, educate and reflect. And so the idea here is that um, people would present and then there would be a structured time for individual or small group or partner reflection during the session. Um, and then coming back together to share insights or ideas or have you know further Q and A, um, and some of that has to do with the work that I do around accessibility and inclusion, thinking about the different ways that people, you know, cognitively process things, um, and that sometimes you're in a session and you're overwhelmed and you're like, I want to just go back and be by myself in my room for a little bit and think about what I've learned and how I can apply that. Um, Perhaps this is a space that you could do that in the moment, um, especially if the presenters are still in the room. If you can kind of think about, well, how would I do this at my institution? Um, or what could this look like? And then you have a few minutes to ask those questions after you've reflected a bit. Um, so, and then, you know, in general, supporting the work of the um, engagement co-chairs this year, um, who are really, who did a phenomenal job in thinking about all the different ways that um, OLC attendees or innovate attendees could um, just engage with one another, whether it be kind of structured and more formal or the informal sorts of things. So um, yeah, that's that's what I was up to this year, thinking about <laughs> program stuff. Well, congratulations on the new position. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. You deserve it. Hmm. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> so actually, uh, my session was an educate and reflect, and I thought that that format was awesome. Great. How did yeah. tell me about how you structured it? Uh, kind of exactly as you suggested, pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, kind of thirty minutes of here's some background, here's what I've done, uh, here's some concrete examples 
mm-hmm. of you know tips, tricks, th- little things that maybe I learned along the way, and then uh, talk amongst yourselves for ten minutes, and then come back and kind of you know ask questions. What do you have left, etc., so on and so forth. Uh, the only downside to it was that that five minutes was about sixty minutes too short. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. That was the the only real downside to that because I'm like. I mean, like, I would love to continue this conversation, but like, there's another session in here exactly. and in the back of the room right now, kind of, you know, giving me the evil eye. Like, this is my space. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're leaving. I promise. And I feel like that's such a theme of innovate, right? Is that people get talk? People very much want to talk to each other and collaborate, um, whether it be just in the moment at the conference or, oh my gosh, I'm super interested in what you're doing. Could we set up a time after the conference to figure out how we could? you know, maybe more formally work together. Um, Cause I did four presentations at the conference and each one we ran into a similar thing where the doors are opening and the next group is coming in and you know, you're like, I'm not done. I want to keep chatting with people <laughs> or they have more questions and I'm super interested. So um, I think that's a pretty special aspect of, of innovate that I've seen. Yeah. There definitely is that kind of sense of community. Like the, the very first morning when we did the kind of OLC live introduction kind of thing that we did yeah um that was the one question i think clark asked everybody like what when you think of this this conference and this experience what's the what's the thing that you look forward to the most or like how would you describe it and i think i said something like it feels like a family reunion yeah totally you don't you know you won't see somebody for like two years and then you come you know you come to the same place and and hang out and it's like you never there was never that break right and or I think, I'm trying to think how many people, I want to say at least three, probably more, maybe up to a half a dozen or so, people that we have interacted regularly, virtually, through Twitter, or, um, I mean, honestly, I think you and myself, I mean, we've we've done a lot through Squad Goals Network, but I don't know that we've ever actually physically been in the same place at the same time, and so there was some of that, too, of like, oh, hey, we follow each other on Twitter, and we've had conversations before, and it's good to meet you in person. Um, and so there's that element also of kind of the family reunion of, oh my gosh, you are a real person and you exist and let's talk. Yeah, that's, um, that's I tried to say that to everybody and by everybody, I mean the you know, few hundred people that follow me on Twitter and probably don't read them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm really bad with, with matching names and avatars to people. Like, if you see me and you recognize me, please come and say hi. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, That's I'm, exactly it. I'm so bad at that. Like, I'm but not going to remember. Yeah. But I think it's that's a very forgiving place, I think. Yeah. yeah. Everybody uh, seems to understand that we're all we're all kind of beginners in, in a way. You know, that we're all kind of navigating the same space. And some people are doing it a little differently and... And we really kind of thrive on that, it feels like. Exactly. I agree with you. So what was, like, if you had to pick one thing about the conference, or or maybe just the, maybe not even the conference itself, but like the whole experience from, say, Monday through Friday. Oh, one thing. If you had to pick one Mm. thing, what was it? What was your favorite one? You can't pick the cake. My one thing. Uh... That's tough. I guess while, you, while you're thinking, I should clarify to anybody yeah. that, that heard that. And, uh, it was Kate's birthday during the conference, and she got a gigantic sheet cake with a unicorn on it. 
and uh, <laughs> shared it with everybody, and it was it was truly magical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, Costco sheet cakes. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, um, yes. Uh, I know. See, now I'm like, that was one of the ones I wanted to say, but I'm like, well, that's not really specific to the conference. Um, I will say I... I was excited about the increase or the uptick, if you will, in conversations around accessibility. Um, of course, as I previously mentioned, that's a, an area that I occupy a lot um, or think about a lot, I should say. Um, and I feel like even from last year's Innovate Conference, there were so many more interesting sessions that are that were talking about accessibility. Unfortunately, I couldn't get to a lot of them just with um, some of the other responsibilities I had, but um, it seemed like it was a lot more, it was less kind of a novelty and more of a, oh yeah, that's, that's just another cool thing that we're doing over here. So I was really excited to see that. Um, I would say each of the sessions that I did, of course, the four of them were around accessibility. I mean, we had, we had a good turnout uh, in each of them. So that was, that was good to see. I, I was happy to see that. Well, yeah, that's, uh, maybe it was you. I, I just, I remember <laughs> seeing something yesterday or the day before about, um, it was on Twitter, of course, that, uh, accessibility should be looked at, uh, not as a, a set of confines. Yeah. That was, <laughs> was that you? Okay. Cause yeah. I, I loved that when I read that and, and yeah. you know, it's a, one of those tweets that just kind of flies through and you go, Oh, and then you lose it. Totally. But I, I love that. So what, what did you say there? Cause I, I, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, that is great. Um, let me see if I can pull it up while we're chatting, but I'll give you kind of the, the background on why I tweeted that yesterday. Um, so as I said, I work out of the College of Arts and Letters, which is the College of you know, Arts and Humanities here on campus. And so um, we have the Department of Theater and I was meeting with one of our theater faculty who's teaching an online dance course um, this summer. And it's part of our um, general arts and humanities. So it's not a theater course, it's um, our integrative arts and humanities course. And so he had been in a workshop that I was running with a colleague around um, online teaching in general, you know, people who are new to it perhaps and, and some things to get them started. Um, and of course I brought up accessibility and then he had questions because what he would be doing is just, is demonstrating dances and instructing on how to do those and then students learn and learn how to do those and then record themselves and send it back to them and so um, obviously there were some questions there around how do we make this accessible um, and so we had met yesterday to talk about different ways we could do that um, and so I really from him you know he was viewing it as oh yeah this I totally want to make sure that this course is accessible for students and that we can find ways to make sure all students all students can be successful. Um, and so the tweet that I sent out yesterday, I found it, um, is rather than view accessibility as a limiting factor in course design, I encourage you to reframe this narrative and instead use it as a way to be really creative in your teaching practice. And then hashtag pedagogically creative and the infusing the A11Y into the pedagogically part of it. Um, which is the shorthand for accessibility um, on Twitter and other social platforms. Um, but yeah, it was just a moment, and, and I'm not the first person to have these thoughts either, um, but really thinking about people like to be, you know, most faculty, I would say, enjoy being creative around how they can teach. Um, 
And so why not view accessibility as yet another way that you can think about how do I reach more students and how do I create a learning environment that um, is exciting for everybody and can include everybody. Um, and so, yeah, that's where that came from. I don't have any um, kind of super good examples yet, I guess, about what that dance class will do. But um, I mean, we talked about some, but I'm not ready to, to put them out there because he wanted to think about some of them. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm seeing. Those are the sorts of things I'm, I'm excited about. Yeah, and I, I, I sometimes worry that some faculty, um, and to be honest, sometimes myself included, because, you know, you get buried from time to time. Yeah. Um, just, you know, our focus is on, you know, it's good enough. And that's, that's all I have time for right now, which is, which is terrible, yeah. but is the reality sometimes, you know, absolutely. which absolutely. is you know, why, why we need people like instructional designers and support staff and whatnot that can come in and kind of help out with that stuff. Because, you know, a lot of the faculty, a lot of instructors, a lot, the vast majority of instructors have no background in instructional design or accessibility exactly. or anything like that. They just they throw it in the LMS and that they think that's, it's there, it's good enough, I'm done. And uh, I really like the idea of trying to make it more and more accessible. It's it's the same thing that I I always say, uh, you know, I, I want my students to come to our synchronous online classes because I want everybody to be on the same page. Yes. And I feel like that's just another avenue to get to that point. Totally. Because you know? like, if it doesn't yeah, have an alt tag, uh, someone might not understand what that is, and therefore we are not having the same conversation. Well, that's exactly it. And, and one of the things that I... Um, sometimes like to appeal to in faculty is, um, you know, and of course every, every conversation is an individual one, right? It, it's what is their scholarship? What are they, what are they working towards? What are they trying to do in their course? But, um, one of my, one of the things I like to talk with them about is, Hey, I mean, we're all in academia because we care about advancing knowledge in some form or another, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's through research or scholarship or supporting research and scholarship, and so accessibility is, is actually a way to ensure that more people have access to learning or your scholarship. Um, if you truly are someone who's like, hey, I'm doing this research and I love what I'm doing and I want to share it with the world, or I love, you know, or I want to share it with my classroom or whatever that might be. Um, okay, let's talk about accessibility because that is a way to make sure even more people have access to the work that you're doing. Uh, and so sometimes I think when, when I frame it that way to faculty, it's like, oh, this isn't about, I'm just trying to come in here and give you more work to do. <laughs> um, you know, like there is an actual legitimate reason or reasons behind what some of these things can do to improve um, the student experience. And that means improving the student experience to be able to access more of what faculty are doing. Um, and, and to your point before, I mean, yeah, we have to be realistic about, about what we can do uh, with the time that we have. Um, but when we do have those moments of, oh, I'm teaching a new course for the first time, or I'm putting a face-to-face -face online for the first time, or, you know, I have actually a couple days to just re-envision some aspect of my course. Maybe I can't do the, a whole rebuild or whatever that might be. Um, cool. Think about accessibility in those moments. Um, Use it as a way to, to, to frame the new stuff you want to do. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of room for those sorts of things still and moving forward. So 
Yeah. Well, I'm excited that we have passionate people like you willing to oh, yeah, thanks. willing to toe the line and, and and get us all to do the things that we should be doing already. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll end it cool. there. And uh, thank Perfect. you again for coming on. And it yeah, was of an course. Absolute pleasure to hang out with you. Oh, last same. Week. <laughs> it was it was a delight. It was just nonstop, nonstop fun. Truly a riotous time. Um, so I don't typically like to do an introduction for anybody. Um, mm -hmm. I'd rather hear them introduce themselves. So sure. if you wouldn't mind, Tina. I don't mind. Hi, this is <laughs> Tina Rettler-Pagel. I'm, um, I'm a full-time faculty member at Madison College in Madison, Wisconsin, where in April it is officially going to snow today. So many Ooh. people around here aren't happy. But at Madison College, I, um, while I'm also a faculty member, I serve as our college's chief online learning officer. So that means I get to to dabble in and advocate for online students and online faculty and just online teaching and learning in general and just really be both the cheerleader and the voice and um, just whatever's needed to kind of help help our faculty and students um, be successful in those endeavors. That's wonderful. So how did... Um... How did you get involved with OLC? I started going, so I came to, to Madison College about 12 years ago, and I, I started, our college is probably similar to many colleges around the country where we um, kind of sometimes struggle to have singular or kind of like strategic oversight about online teaching and learning. I, I know that we're not alone in that. And so we had many pockets of people around the college working on online, including me. And so I was trying to find people to connect with and learn more about online teaching and learning and just kind of have that network, you know, that sometimes we're all looking for. And so back then it was Sloan C, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And so then I just started going to the conferences and slowly but surely meeting people and networking with people and it kind of became a new home um for prof professionally for me just because it fits well with what i'm you know what i do in my job and and just so many of the people there have similar concerns needs professional development um kind of you know things that we're all kind of concerned about and care about and so it just be kind of became the go-to conference for me and you know at this point and you uh <laughs> you are known for many wonderful things, I will say that. But uh, one of the one of the things that um, I think a lot of people get super excited about is Tina Schwag. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which I have got I have got hanging on my wall. <laughs> nice, nice. So for the for the people that don't know, Tina uh, is one of the most thoughtful people oh. out there, um, and brings little little tokens and, and things mm -hmm. to uh, to the conference to kind of hand out. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, people always look for it. They clamor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ryan, I found that, um, you know, and I just, it's just something I do. There's no expectations of getting anything in return at all. And for, for people that are wondering, it's just, it's typically just little more tokeny kind of things. It's usually things that I make. Um, not always, but so with this past conference, it was actually um, bottle caps that had different sayings and pictures and, um, words on them depended on and that kind of spoke to people depending on 
what they needed. Some was snarky, some was positive and, and influential. Um, it just depended. And I found that that swag stuff is really a, a good way to just bring people together. It's just about extending and expressing kindness. And it really honestly brings people in from the fringe that may not always engage. And I think that's just one of the powers of it because, um, you know, a conference and for anybody that that's not been to OLC or a major conference around the country or internationally, it can sometimes be really hard to break into um, either a group of people that already is is pretty established and know each other or just to break in at all, especially if you're somebody that that's just not a that's not your jam. That's not something that you really like to do, meaning like mingling with people, um, getting to know people you don't really know. And so it can just kind of for me, I found that it really opens the doors for people that um, kind of are on, on the outside looking in. And I just I love that piece of it. I love that they just get to it feels really good to be a part of it. And that's I found that to be one of the, the best strengths of, of just bringing Tina swag. And it makes me think, I don't know why, it, I guess because of what you just said, but there's uh, in in England and, and maybe other places, there's, uh, you know, the Christmas crackers that you like two mm-hmm. people grab each side mm-hmm. of it and they pull it and it goes pop. And there's usually like a joke yep. on the inside of it. Uh, yeah. The joke is always really, really bad. <laughs> like, like, but purposefully bad. Yeah. Right? So it, it serves that purpose. Apparently it serves that same, that same kind of thing uh, where people can kind of come together and the joke is the target. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah. I found that um, a lot of times people are, go ahead. Oh no, no. Go. I found that people are often, um, then they're running around at the conference, like, especially if there are things with sayings or pictures, they're trying to see what other people chose. And it's really a good, almost a window into people's, um, who they are in some ways. And, and, and I love that piece again, because it's very, um, both private and public, depending on how people choose to display the, the Tina swag that they get. But, but I, I just, it's, it's, it's brought a lot of people together. It's just some, it's definitely a conference like discussion and I, it's, it's fun and it's funny. And, and I just, I, I will always continue it as long as I go to OLC conferences, I'll keep bringing it back. Um, it's different every time. Although this time around the bottle caps were pretty, it was a pretty like big deal. People thought this was maybe one of the best ones. So we might have to repeat this one. I don't know. We'll see. You, you have my vote for repeating that. For sure. <laughs> um, and yeah. So it's, it, that is a good point. So people will see those and it doesn't matter what the title is on the name tag. Yeah, Cause we had it typically would have it hanging on our lanyards. You know? yes, yes. And uh, so you would go over to read that and it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't matter where the person is from or what level they're, you know, for the provost mm-hmm. or a brand new grad student didn't matter. Yep. So it was, it was a great leveler, I think. Yes. And yes. Uh, which, which kind of brings me to, uh, to the next thing that I wanted to, to hear you talk about, which is uh, something that you presented on. And I thought was a phenomenal uh, conversation that was had uh, at the conference, which is uh, something you're interested in, and I am as well. Um, yeah. But uh, the imposter syndrome. Right, right. So, um, I, just the short, the short version is: um, so, imp- for people that aren't aware, imposter syndrome is essentially that you haven't potentially internalized your own success, or you believe that where you are professionally at your point in life, um, you didn't earn or you didn't achieve, you, you got there by luck or, um, just by happenstance. And so, um, and that at any day, somebody might discover you as a fraud and that you shouldn't be potentially in that role. And so 
um, we may walk into a room and say, gosh, I just don't belong here, those kinds of things. And that's kind of where this, this conversation started because I noticed at OLC, um, based on direct conversation, but also just um, there was this feeling that, that people felt like they just didn't belong among certain groups or among certain conversations, however you want to define that. And so like when you just mentioned like the, this equalizer of the name badges, so somebody walks in and they're a provost or a CIO or whatever, and you might say, gosh, I don't belong with them. But, you know, we all do different work. And in some cases we do work across the spectrum that that is parallel and similar regardless of our titles. And so I wanted, I, I just wanted to start having conversations about that because, um, you know, it's pretty crippling professionally when you feel like you can't compete or don't measure up or you're comparing yourself by this unknown or sometimes really unfair standard against people, then you it, it, you feel like you don't belong. And so it's a kind of another goal of mine to continue to bring that imposter syndrome conversation to OLC events. And so far, I mean, they've been at they were at Accelerate last fall, Innovate this spring. Certainly, one will be proposed again for Accelerate in the fall of twenty or in the fall of nineteen this coming fall. And it's just it's there's it's seems to be generating quite a bit of traction, even offline from the conference. Um, just because people are like, I I know that, and I have this thing, and I felt that, and I don't like it, and I don't want to feel it. So. At this last conference, we actually kind of more had a, it was called a conversation, not presentation. And it was a facilitated discussion of smaller groups that then reported out. And it was just, I've never been to something like that before. And it went really well. And the attendance was fantastic. And I mean, Ryan, you were there. Maybe you want to chime in on how that experience was for you too. Oh, I loved it. I mean, the people I was sitting with were, I mean, just spanned uh, the entire uh, spectrum of where they're from and, and what I hate to say what level, but uh-huh. you know what, what kind of position. Like you had, you know, faculty. Sure. You had dean. You had a, a CIO, a CTO, and uh, instructional right. designer, and a librarian. And it was it was just phenomenal. And uh, yeah. it was it's it's uh, it's relieving, mm-hmm. I think, to hear people that you know are con- considerably further along in a career than you may be, mm-hmm. also look at you mm-hmm. and go, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. nobody does. Yeah. And, you know, even like new career um, professionals or people that have just switched jobs or wherever they might be on that that professional spectrum, you know, they it's, it's important to know that that you aren't alone and that everybody has felt that or feels it or continues to feel it no matter where they are at any point. And so I, I've I'm trying to like spread this message like just you belong here at the conference or wherever you define that space to be. You, you do know something, you bring something to the table. And I've just started to dip my toe a little more into looking at imposter syndrome and students and how that that impacts students, um, both in the classroom, but even like as they as they progress into their first professional careers, because there's some really interesting findings so far. And it's, I'm working on my doctorate right now. And I, I'm dabbling to see if that will be where my dissertation takes me, but we'll see, you know, um, there's certainly some high interest there and that's part of getting your dissertation done, right. Is really being interested in your topic <laughs> enough to, <laughs> to want to do it for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. My, one of my old, uh, graduate advisors said, you know, when you, when you find a thing that when you think about it, it feels like somebody's standing on your chest. That's, that's when you know you found your topic. Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, and so. I want to hear more about the uh, the student side of imposter syndrome, but 
we are going to do a full-length episode mm-hmm. together. Uh, yes. Hopefully later, later this week, next week, maybe, um, and focus on that because that's something that I'm really interested in uh, with graduation Perfect. coming up in yes. about a month. So looking uh, forward to it. I'm That'd looking forward to that too. So before we yeah. uh, before we cut this off because they're little little short things today, um, I asked Kate the same thing. So I'm going to ask you: Well, if you had to pick sure. one moment from last mm-hmm. week, whether it was related to you know during conference hours or after. Uh, what would be your favorite moment of, of that experience? And I told her, you can't pick her birthday cake. Oh, <laughs> I might have picked that, actually. I, I, that's why I said um, you can't. <laughs> whew, one moment. Mm. Oh, that's a really hard question. Do you want to tell me what yours is, or do you, do I need to tell you mine first? Uh, I don't know what mine is. That's why I'm asking what up. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I... I selfishly that that session at the very end, it was the very last session of the conference for me and I had to rush off to the airport and it was, it was the session about imposter syndrome. It was the conversation, not presentation format and the vulnerability and the genuineness of the people in that room, I think is unmatched to any conference experience I've ever had. And so um, I don't mean to say that just because I was a part of that session, but I really (laughs) honestly and truly feel like that was kind of a game changer for me in that it's possible to have those kinds of conversations with people you don't even know. But second of all, that this, this topic, this feeling about, do I belong here? Absolutely has to continue being a conversation that we have within our OLC and within the online teaching and learning community. So I'm going to just jump on that one, I think. Well, I think that that is a perfectly acceptable choice. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And I agree with you. It was a, it was a phenomenal time. Felt really good. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's a lot of, of sessions that you go to and you're like, oh, I learned something. There's not a lot. And I'm, I'm not just talking about OLC. I just mean conferences in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of, of sessions that you go to. And when you walk out, you feel better about yourself. Right. You know, so right. I think that was that was you're right. That was very special. So thank you, Tina. Awesome. We're going yeah, to cut it off here and uh, look forward to to talking with you at length uh, shortly. In, I, don't know. Sounds good. I don't know when. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> See yeah. uh, so, essentially, I, I really hate doing introductions for people, so I'd, I'd rather have them do it. So, why don't you um, why don't you say you know who you are, where you're from, uh, what you do, and uh, maybe what Maybe what brought us together, because it is, it's so well seen. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, hey, everybody. My name is Keegan Longwheeler. I'm an educational technologist at the University of Oklahoma, which just means that I get to work with uh, faculty on their fun and exciting tech projects. Uh, anything from uh, iPads in the classroom to blogging to, I mean, just about anything you can think of tech-wise. Um, I also support many of our online programs and different things like that as well. Um, and then I, let's see. So I met the, the new professor. I met Ryan, uh, <laughs> I believe back in, I think it was in 2017 for yep. OLC in the innovation lab specifically. I think that is where we met. Yeah. The good, good old times in, uh, in new Orleans. Oh yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> From what we remember, anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, what you've been kind of 
you've you've continued to be involved in OLC, and you've kind of increased that from what I can tell. So, uh, what were you doing this year at the uh, at the Innovate conference last week? Yeah, so this year I was working on the as the uh, co engagement chair. So what that means is I was basically just working on ways for folks to have fun at the conference, folks uh, ways for folks to be just generally involved at the conference and, you know, engaged. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with uh, my co-engagement chair, Kate Miffitt, and together we headed that up. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's one of those kind of roles that I think is actually really fun because you get to think about, you know, if I were at said conference, if I were at OLC Innovate, uh, what would I want to do? What would be fun to do? Uh, how would I want to connect with people? All of those kinds of things. And I'd say that you guys nailed it because <laughs> everybody seemed really, really engaged. Yeah, it was it was a good year, I would say. Um, I I think everything went off without a hitch in terms of, uh, in our world at least. And I don't know, I had a lot of fun going out and hanging out and uh, just doing everything from uh, dressing up as a as a hedgehog to uh, going out on, on the town and, uh, you know, all those things. So it was good. It was good fun. Love it. Yeah, and one thing that I know people were really, uh, really, I don't even know what the right word is. Um, I don't want to say engaged by because I feel like we just we just said that, but um, that people really appreciated and really um, maybe were surprised by how much they enjoyed it uh, was the sneaky cards. Oh yeah, so that was actually uh, that was kind of a fun idea um, that I'd been uh, given by uh, uh, Chris. Ooh, we'll have to see if I can recall her last name. Um, but she uh, she kind of uh, passed along the idea because I hadn't I hadn't heard of it before. So it's a game where you basically are playing with, I guess, in theory, everyone in the world. But it's meant for uh, an unsuspecting crowd of people, and you just do random things uh, either with people or. Uh, for people, uh, different things like uh, there are there are care cards that involve like you know buying somebody a cup of coffee. Uh, there are um, connection cards, which are things like uh, asking folks to do selfies and things like that. But one of the things we did this year is we kind of uh, we took that concept and that idea because it's uh, it's actually licensed openly uh, as CC BY non commercial share alike. So. That makes it easy for us to just come in and make some tweaks and adjustments. So, yeah, we made some OLC Innovate specific cards, things like, you know, invite a stranger to a session, things like uh, shout outs on Twitter for folks. And uh, even uh, uh, one of my colleagues, John, does likes doing shoe tweets. Uh, so all kinds of different things to get folks to engage in ways that they wouldn't necessarily expect, uh, connect in ways that they just wouldn't think of off the top of their head maybe or just especially wouldn't uh, anticipate happening at a conference per se yeah, and I, I i showed them to my wife and i was like look what keegan did these are so cool like this is such a brilliant idea and she was she was blown away too so i know that uh i know that e even people that didn't even go are like that's cool <laughs> so uh, yeah it's something yeah, it's something that may look at doing in the future for different other things too. Oh, I think you totally should. Yeah, I'm I'm completely stealing that idea, by the way. 
Well, if you want the files too, I can give you a editable file and then you can jump in. That would be very nice. So. Yes, I would like that. Uh, but you, you mentioned John. So I was, I was actually, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about some of the really, really cool stuff you're doing. Uh, is it, is it OL create or OU create? I mean, yeah. Oh, you create. Yeah. Cause it is. I mean, I'm, I'm like a hair's width away from trying to do something like that here. Um, yeah. <laughs> like you, you guys are really, it really inspired me to, about this. So can you talk about it? Cause I feel like people really need to hear about just how amazing, uh, this entire project that you guys are, are working on is. Yeah, so we're a domain of one's own school. So OU Create is a domain of one's own project. And really what um, that is, is it's, you know, simply like if you're looking at it from the surface, it is giving students, staff and faculty access to uh, free domains and free web space that they can go and uh play in that they can go and develop research projects in and, and do different kinds of things like that. But deep, like if you dive in deeper, it's actually a place to learn uh, many digital skills, many digital literacies to do. We have a lot of folks that do um, uh, digital humanities on our campus and use it for different projects. Uh, I know that John is actually, I think this week he was uh, helping a few groups with their websites and their projects this week, in fact. And yeah, it's a, it's really an, an amazing kind of project that we've gotten to see grow over the last several years because we're at uh, over um, like, I think we're around like 6,000 users now, which is just crazy to me because of where we started and, you know, just as that grows. And uh, it's it's been, I mean, even personally, like it's been one of my favorite things to like jump in on and learn and explore because uh, it's how I learned more about how the web works. And, you know, with those skills, like I feel so much more um, prepared, not just as like a person in 2019, but also as as an educator, as a as a teacher, as somebody that helps people with their technology projects and I mean, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. So it's at, uh, if anybody wants to take a look at our version, it's at create.ou.edu. Um, you can't sign up with us necessarily um, unless you're an OU from the University of Oklahoma. But uh, we partner with a company called Reclaim Hosting, and uh, they they are headed up by the the group that kind of spearheaded this this idea. Um, and it's not, I mean, you know, again, at the surface, right, it would just look like a, uh, just any other hosting company, but the, their support, their desire to, um, give people that want to learn about all of this, the opportunity and just them being educators and already having projects like this under their belt makes it a phenomenal way to, to interact and, and learn with this kind of thing. And I think the one last thing I'll mention too is like uh, one of the pieces for me that was phenomenal that kind of let me uh, explore this space a lot, explore making websites for me. I'm a, uh, an, I'd consider myself a, uh, an open practitioner. So I like to publish a lot of the things that I do openly online. And one of the reasons I was able to do that is because of our Oh, you create project our domain of one's own project because they allow you to um, have 
unlimited amount of web domains that you want. You have unlimited amount of traffic that you want to your site. And many other web hosts usually put limits on that, especially at the the cheaper ends of of the the services. So yeah, it's really like it's really an open ended way for uh, all kinds of folks. I mean, you know, I'm a staff member, for instance, to to jump into the web and explore it and to to break it and to fix it and to learn from it. And I think and, and it seems like it's also a really, really good way to teach students about digital presence, right? Yeah, that's that's one of the like, especially when we were first starting out, um, we have a lot of folks that. Uh, use it for portfolios in particular like that's that was kind of I guess one of the maybe even one of the big selling points at the beginning Um, but we've seen students go on to do so many different things now like we have um, there's a entire uh, website dedicated to a um, uh, not a uh, it's not a scholarship Uh, I can't quite remember Um, I mean it's like a scholarship it effectively pays uh, it's a fellowship excuse me that's the word it's a fellowship that pays for undergrads to go to study abroad at two different countries and the cool thing about it is as part of that um, they're blogging about their experiences in both places and you can see like uh, just all of the places all over the world, what all of the students are experiencing, but even between themselves, like, you know, if somebody goes to Ireland first and then China next or anything like that, you can, you can just see the, the breadth of what's possible when you give students access to tools like these. It's just too cool. Like I guess I'm, I'm really jealous of it because I think it's, uh, it's really giving students a, a, a wonderful platform that they really do need, I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, they have all of these places in the, in, uh, physically around the university that they can work on different things. Uh, but being able to give them the, the digital tool set, the digital playground to, to also jump into those, um, uh, practices those experiences, I think is phenomenal and something that we should all be doing as, as educators. Could not agree more. So, Keegan, I, I asked uh, I asked Kate this and I asked Tina this, so I'm going to ask you the same thing. Because um, you know, we're going to we're going to keep this. We're trying to keep it a little short today because we're doing a kind of a rapid fire thing. So, um, if you had to pick one moment from last week, whether it was a, a portion of the conference or something that happened uh, around it or because of it or, or whatever whatever you think, uh, what would be kind of your your favorite thing? And the only caveat is you can't choose Kate's cake. Okay. <laughs> oh, that makes it harder then. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what they both said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I, I'm struggling because I have two. Um, and uh, I think probably the first one is I had a conversation with um, Laura Taub and uh, Sundi Richards in the innovation studio. And it was actually about domains and about like what it means for students and what it means for faculty and being able to connect with different folks, um, especially them on like their experiences at their universities, uh, the, both the, the hardships and the, and the, uh, and the, uh, problem solving that they're engaged in and like what it, what it looks like and compared to, our university. Um, one thing that we do is we run something called the Creates, where we have like a, a showcase um, where folks will submit their 
websites or volunteer like uh, recommend other people's projects and websites to to really like bring out what the 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 biggest projects and the biggest things that arise over the years um, and it was fun to talk to him about that project too uh, especially since they're working and thinking about doing some of those things and what it would mean to to have one that is larger than just for one university one that's for uh, many different groups. Um, so that's, man, that's probably, that's probably going to take, take the cake as it were. Um, <laughs> nice. Nicely done. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, but I, uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely liked wearing a hedgehog, uh, onesie. That's, that's hard to beat. So <laughs> that may have to come in at maybe at number two. So, and, uh, and if there's a picture of that somewhere, um, I will link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. The only one I saw was a picture of John taking a picture of me. It was Tom Evans, I think, has a picture of John taking a picture of me. But I'm sure somebody else has one. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, King. Well, thank you for jumping on the pod. And, uh, you know, just like every year, this is, of course, the year of King. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. It's been <laughs> it's been a pleasure um, both working with OLC and both being on here with you, Ryan. Yeah, and it was fun to hang last week, so I, I appreciate that very oh, much. Oh, yeah. Great. Thanks, Keith. A lot of interesting folks on here, and I appreciate you jumping on. So um, I actually really I hate doing introductions for people. Because mm-hmm. I'm always afraid I'm going to get something wrong. So <laughs> why, don't, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us who you are, where you are, what you do, and uh, what brought you to Denver last week. So my name is Veronica Armour. I am an instructional designer at the School of Communication and Information at Rutgers, New- Rutgers University in New Jersey, home of the... Uh, no one pumps their own gas, so we get pumped for us, and of the jug handle. If you've never heard of that before, it pretty much means that you cannot make a left turn in New Jersey. You have to go right to then cross the road to then go left. So it's a very fun way of doing things. Huh. Yeah, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're unique in New Jersey, and we're pretty much like the last state that doesn't pump your own gas, so that's cool. Yeah, I think I saw a, f- a few full service stations in Ohio last time I was there, but nice. like really rare, like way out in the middle of nowhere, not nothing in a city. So that's that's very odd. So, uh, so what brought me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What brought you? Yeah. So what brought me up to Denver was not because they get to pump your own gas there. That's I can go <laughs> to New York for that, but. Uh, I came out for OLC. I started going in 2017 and got hooked. And it's kind of the one conference I intend to go to every single year. Part of me thinks that I should branch out more and use budget money, you know, for other conferences, but I can't seem to see myself not coming to OLC Innovate. I just have so much fun going there. I love the community and it's just something that I pretty much use to recharge myself every year for instructional design. I hear that a lot, actually, that it's, you know, that it's, mm-hmm. it's a place that you don't just, you know, you're not just going for uh, PD, you know, you're going, no. you're going for the community, you're going for almost like family. Yeah. And I know Ben has told his story a couple of times of how he came by himself the uh, first year that he 
came to OLC. And I have to say, my story was very similar in 2017. I I kind of came along. I can't say I came completely alone. I had a co-presenter because we were presenting something. And also my husband came with me as well because it was in New Orleans and who passes up a trip to New Orleans. <laughs> but, uh, but when I first got there, my co-presenter wasn't there yet. And I was just like, I, this is so big. I don't know anybody. I feel completely out of my comfort zone in terms of not knowing anybody and just wanting to talk to people. And, and so I just, you know, you know, I think probably the first person I saw, I was just like, they look nice. So I decided to throw myself out there and start a conversation and, and they were welcoming and just spiraled from there. And a lot of the people that I met that first year were from the MSU hub and I thought they were great. I thought they were doing great projects and I wanted to be one of them. I felt like they're groupie that first year. And actually I felt like that <laughs> in 2018 because when I went back, I was I was going, I can't wait to see them again. You know, I talked to them because just so interesting to hear what they're doing. But what if they don't remember me or what if I wasn't, you know, that interesting to them? And I, But when I saw them at the conference, it was kind of like me, you know, meeting up with old friends again. And then the same thing happened this year. And in talking to one of them, they were mentioning how when talking to a, a colleague who was coming to OLC for the first time and they said, oh, yeah, we're going to get to see our friend Veronica. And they're like, oh, who's that? And she's like, well, she's kind of like our camp friend, you know, that that person that you see once a year that you don't really talk to that much necessarily outside of it. But when you see him again, it's like nothing has changed. And I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, too. And so... I'm now calling OLC my camp experience, you know, because it is, it's about a week long. And while I keep up with people sporadically throughout the year, it's when I see people again, I feel like no time has passed at all. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I wish I, wish I could claim it as my own, but uh, it was <laughs> Brianna Yacklin who uh, uh, was the one who originated it for me. Well, and very fitting because it was, you know, Denver's whole theme was mountains and we had campfire stories and yeah even had yep. s'mores so, yeah <laughs> so that's, that's perfect yep. <laughs> well yeah that's i feel like that's very, that's a very common story yeah that, mm-hmm. that uh not only is it the whole you know bring or go by yourself and then somebody welcomes you in but also uh that it happens to be you know, by somebody at msu yeah that does it you know um because they I, there are a lot of them there yeah well we were we were kind of joking that um between between MSU and the University of Arizona and Oklahoma, that there was going to be like a, a battle royale mm. <laughs> for for dominance for which university gets to claim it because we all bring so many people. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And OU are the people I feel like I've then talked to some because I've talked to Keegan and met uh, his colleague, John Stewart. And then, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, the, dy- the dynamic duo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they make themselves known. And it's sad because when I think of all the instructional designers at Rutgers, I, you know, we could really make a strong showing if I could get everybody to go. I, I'm not sure we could deal with another faction. <laughs> <laughs> I think might not, the, the gay lord might not be big enough for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're a fun group. We, we're just there for fun. Oh, I have no doubt. So did you did you present anything this year or were you just like strictly attending? I did present because I feel like it's the best way to ensure that I get approval for spending money to go to a conference is if I make sure I'm presenting something. Right. 
Uh, and so I presented an emerging idea session, which I did for the first time last year and loved it so much that I think that that's all I'm ever going to ever submit for, for OLC, because I like the, I like the more one-on-one -on -one conversations that I get to have and talking with people more than presenting or having to run an interactive session. And uh, I would much rather just be able to converse with people about the ideas that are going on. And it's a great place to, to do exactly that. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of yeah. such brilliant people that you run into there. And I, you know, yes. I didn't get a chance to go to any of those. I, I was working with OLC live and, you know, we were working on the, the keynote interviews and the, the live, uh, woman about town. We called it, I think a woman on the streets, um, kind of thing. So, you know, camera and a, and a recorder and going out and talking to people. Uh, so I didn't actually get to go. So, uh, I feel like I missed it. So what, what did you talk about? What did you, uh, what was your, what was your session about? I called my session the instructional design files or yeah, the instructional design files and pre presented this particular case of the double messaging mystery or double messaging app mystery. And I try to have fun with it mainly because, uh, again, with being at OLC, it seems to be the type of conference that allows you to have fun with what you say and not have to be strictly serious or all business all the time. And I didn't realize how emerging my idea was going to be for me when I submitted it because the double messaging app mystery was pretty much, I had just started at Rutgers last May, so almost a year ago. And the program director for the information technology and informatics major came to me and said, I'm having this problem with my capstone course that I'm running. Uh, you know, we have the students using Slack because it's a program that is used, you know, a lot in industry and business. And we want them to use it for brainstorming and communication and all that good stuff for the course. Uh, and he's like, I don't really want to be in the LMS because it's just not where they're going to be when they graduate. And I was like, okay, sure, fine. You know, what's the problem? And he said, the problem was that for the past couple of semesters, students really weren't talking in Slack and when they and they'd be getting worried about the status of the project they're working on and what's going on. And while there'd be some stuff in there, not enough. And when they'd ask the students what was going on, they'd find that the students were in group me. And so he was wondering if he was coming to me more asking for the advice of should I be looking if GroupMe or Slack integrates with Canvas to, you know, make sure that I'm aware of what's going on because I don't mind them using GroupMe. They just aren't adding me as, you know, part of the group. And so either we need to figure something out and should I look to integrate the two of them? Are there APIs or something that I can do that one will alert the other, you know, thinking if this, then that statements. And I've been wanting to get into more um, user experience research and design. So I said, well, let's hold off on a technology solution and let's kind of, let's, you know, figure out why students are in group me instead of Slack and see what happens. But then I also asked, I go, are you telling students that they have to use Slack or that if they're going to use group me to add you to the, to the uh, group? And he's like, well, it's really just starting to occur as a problem. So, you know, I've told them, but you know, we'll see. And when I started working with them in the fall, uh, students again, you know, used GroupMe, but this time they added all the instructors to the GroupMe account. So we really didn't have the same problem in the fall that I was supposed to investigate about the double messaging app. And uh, it kind of what I was hoping to be this really exciting, you know, UX research, you know, project 
kind of resolved itself within four weeks. And I went, wow, I didn't have to do much. <laughs> and yeah. And I, and when I submitted my you know proposal to OLC, I was like, and I'm going to have this instructional design files that can, you know, be shared among other instructional designers. And I'm thinking it can be forked and, you know, used for everybody, you know, like methods and, oh, this is going to be awesome, collaborative, all those great buzzwords. And I went, I don't really have anything that I feel like would be worthwhile for someone to take and use. Mm. And then I got thinking like, well, I got accepted to present. What can I, you know, I can tell them I no longer want to present. That's always an option. But I'm like, what can I take from this situation? So I kept myself presenting because I wanted to force myself to see what could I, what could I take from that experience and, you know, build on it. And I realized that I still want to build in some instructional design files and cases, uh, and doing that, but I realized it's no longer for me to share with other people to fork, but more of like building my own portfolio to help me talk to my faculty, you know, that are still only a year in with and uh, being able to articulate what I can bring to them and help them with their projects or their course design or what else they need in, in that UX, you know, methods that I can bring to them. And so I got really excited about that and going, I'm still looking to do you know, what I originally set out to do, but just more at a personal level than at a grander scheme, which was interesting to me to figure that out. And the whole idea of like the instructional design files and making this a mystery or cases stems from my love of Nancy Drew files and uh, the book, The Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Baisley Frank Weiler that I read as a tween and teenage, you know, person and uh, just loved those. And so I, again, just try to bring a bit of whimsy to the idea. Well, I very much approve of the uh, of the inspiration, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's interesting that um, that it went that way with that class. Yeah, it, I mean, it went it worked out well. It was one of those things where perfect for the you know instructor and the students. Everybody was on the same page, and then this semester with a new cohort of capstone students coming through, they're not even using GroupMe at all. They're completely using Slack. So it's again one of those things where. A lot of it was based on the students. I found out a little bit why students were gravitating towards GroupMe, and it seemed a lot of usability. The the Slack app on their on some people's mobile phones just never got working correctly. So if they wanted to be part of the conversation, they'd have to log into their computer, and that wasn't always easy. So in order for everybody to be included in the conversation at all times, GroupMe was the easier one to use. Uh, and then mm. students said that, yeah, they, a lot of them had, not all, but a lot of them had GroupMe already on their phones because it was a required app for a previous course, you know? <laughs> of course. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and it just amazed me how many different ways we have to communicate with people. And, you know, it got me thinking about as instructors, thinking about what tech we use and look to require of students because it's just one more app on the phone. And while I thought that would be kind of a negative, most of the students were like, yeah, we don't care about adding more app store phones. No big deal. I think of, I was going, gosh, all that data that they're giving away now to an app there, they may or may not use after that project or that semester, but they might not necessarily remove it from their phone. And so I just found that interesting that they didn't seem cared. And I'm just going, but you're your data keep it private <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh I've, I've i've introduced slack uh to our campus <clears throat> excuse me uh i co-wrote a grant a few years ago so we actually have a we use a paid version and uh anybody that wants to use it for instruction or uh, the student government uses it um various different people and, and 
groups and whatnot across campus. Um, but one of the, yeah, I, it was, it was, oh no, another app was one thing that came up. And then the other one was, mm-hmm. oh, another login that I have to remember, you know? And I, <laughs> I was so happy when, uh, when we could end up paying for it because it integrates with our, uh, our U of A login. Mm-hmm. So they would say, I don't want to have to remember another password. And I'd say, ah, ha ha, you don't. <laughs> it's under our umbrella. So it's well, cool. Slack is even good for that, even if it's not integrated, because if you don't remember what your login is or even which email you used, you can just kind of pop in your email, any email address that you have, and it'll send you a link to log into any Slack groups that you belong to. Because I never, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because I have some Slack groups that I associate with my personal email and some that I associate with my professional email, trying to delineate the things that are, you know, I'm doing on my own or volunteer stuff versus this is strictly for Rutgers. And sometimes I'm going, I really don't remember what I signed up with or with what password. So let's just pop in those email addresses and see what comes up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I found that students uh, really have taken to it. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think a large part of it is, um, is the, A, the onboarding, uh, mm-hmm. B, the, uh, the existing culture, you know, cause like nobody wants to go into a restaurant that's empty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there needs, it needs to be active generally speaking for students to feel like, oh yeah, I can jump in here. No problem. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what I've, that's what I've found you know, with my students. Yeah. And I've introduced slack now to two different professional communities and the first time i did it was definitely a learning experience in onboarding people and getting them to understand that it's a change in your workflow as well because they're used to doing everything in email and trying to get out get away from the email chains and show the natural conversation it's taken some time and we're still building that but it definitely has helped because there's been a couple of us that we're already Slack users and we've really, you know, tried to drive the use of it. And, and people do use it because I said, if you don't want to be in Slack all the time, make sure you set your notification so that you're emailed anytime something is said. Otherwise, you'll mm-hmm. you'll miss out. And I think that has helped a lot. And now the second time I've recommended for a community was uh, for the organization NERCOMP, uh, which is Northeast. I honestly can't remember the whole acronym, but it's a Northeast Consortium of Universities around technology and uh, teaching and learning. Similar, I guess uh, you could say to Educause, but at a smaller scale. And they have communities of practice for email listservs. And they've had a changing of the guard. And a lot of us are new coming in as leaders of their community of practices. And several of us were thinking of setting up Slack groups. And I said, why not, uh, instead of setting up a dozen different Slack groups, Let's set up one group with different channels so that if one of us is quiet, the other one might be busy and people can just be in there and seeing stuff that's going on. Otherwise, if it's one group per community of practice, that's going to be slow and we're really not going to generate the interest that I think we'd get if we all went into one group and just made our communities of practice different channels. And we're about a month in and so far it seems like it's it's working, you know, and having us all be in the same group. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, it's always one of those things that it always is uh, strong at the start and then things, you know, die down and it's an ebb and flow of, you know, people's activity. Oh yeah. After the honeymoon phase is over, right? Yeah. <laughs> After the, ooh, shiny. 
you know, it's not so shiny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely like having the, for myself, just in keeping up with the different communities of practice that NERCOMP has, just being able to go into the Slack channels and being able to look in there versus um, the, the email listservs that keep coming out. I find it's an easier way for me to follow. Oh, for sure. And I mean, we should look into to, uh, to partnering up on some stuff because I, uh, I do a lot of Slack and uh, community building, especially with online campuses. Okay. And uh, I actually, the first time I went to OLC, it was that New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, one two years ago, and I did a, a presentation, or no, it was an innovation lab thing uh, on using Slack in the classroom. So it's... How did I'm, I I'm, miss that? I, I feel I've, like in 07, I spent the entire time in the innovation lab when I saw it was there because also at the same time, I was obsessed with makerspaces. And I feel like I tried to go to every single session. How did I miss the Slack one? I think I think it was on the last day in the morning. Oh, that might have been it. So, that, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> just weren't there. <laughs> I actually think I presented that when I presented, it was on the Friday morning. So it could have been uh, we were, yeah, my, we were on, in the same time slot. It very well could be. But yeah, we should we should, yeah we should talk. So we should, yeah, we'll talk okay. about that because I, I think that we you know we probably could help each other. I well, I'm always, whenever somebody says we should do something, I go yes because if anything that the innovation studio <laughs> taught me over the past three years is to say yes and. So I pretty much follow that all the time now. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, we're we're getting close to the end here. They're a little short kind of episodes. Uh, all smushed together in one this time. So uh, I asked I asked Kate and I asked Tina and I asked Keegan uh, all the same question. Okay. And I'm going to pose it to you. Uh, so if thinking back to last week, the whole the whole length of of the uh, of the conference, social, you know, pre-conference, post-conference, social session, whatever. Uh, what would you say if you had to pick one was your like favorite moment of the entire thing? My Ooh, my favorite. I hate having to choose just one. That's exactly what the rest of them said. <laughs> did they actually choose just one or did they cheat and, you know, give you a couple? Uh, they, they got it down. I think they each got it down to two, but they just gave me one and then said the other one. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so I think I would say my favorite part was actually on, um, Wednesday afternoon I had, and it, it, it kind of all goes into one because I started off during one of the coffee breaks in the design thinking portion of the innovation studio and talking in there and our conversations just went so long that it extended into the beginning of the next session. And I didn't want to go into the next session late. So I just decided to, you know, skip going anywhere that time. And I just loved the conversation that was had from there and then I ran into uh, Brianna Yacklin from MSU and we then sat down and started talking and then spent the rest of the session just talking about projects that we were working on and things that were going wrong. And I would say that was, again, both those, that, that two part of that day of talking one-on-one with someone in the design thinking lab and then going and talking with Brianna, I think were the, for me, it was kind of the highlight in epitomizes what I love about OLC and just the the personal connections and not just the inspiration you get from them because both those conversations left me inspired and things I want to be doing but that one-on-one conversation that came not just from a a session but from actually 
going deeper than a 40 minute session and talking with people outside of it. And so that I think was my favorite part. Well, the personal connections made, I think is, is, uh, is a person of a perfectly good favorite part <laughs> of the conference. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's hard to choose because I saw some great sessions and talked to some great people during the emerging ideas. So narrowing it down to just one, I'm going to just stick with that one. I think it was that is because I was able to not just talk to people during those sessions, but go deeper after them. And I wish we had more time to do that. You know, like after my session, uh, I had a educate and reflect session. So it was like 30 minutes presentation, mm -hmm. 10 minutes kind of solo group work and then return and kind of reflect and share for mm -hmm. five minutes. And we went really long <laughs> and like, and I felt bad because the, the next presenters were like standing at the back of the room, kind of yeah. giving me the stink eye, like it's, you're eating, you know, you're eating into yeah. my time here. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I wish we could have, you know, stayed there and talked for another hour. It's hard. Cause I would say yes, but then also, OLC. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted at the end of OLC. If we had more oh, time yeah. to talk, I'd probably have to take the next week off of work just to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Everybody everybody's exhausted after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> All right, Veronica. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for jumping on. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, Happy to. This was glad fun. Glad to talk to you. And, and good. I'm glad. It's, uh, that's, what I, that's what I'm hoping for. So uh, thank you much. And hey, you know, maybe I'll see you at Accelerate. Uh, maybe at Innovate again next year. And uh, look. Definitely Innovate next year. <laughs> definitely Innovate. Once again, thank you for listening to this little podcast thing of mine. If you found it entertaining or informative or useful, please do subscribe and rate it on the podcatcher of your choice, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or however you choose to listen. And as usual, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at NewProfCast, and show notes, transcripts, and more can be found on the website at thenewprofessor.com. Until next time.